0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want to talk to you tonight about how to pray for people who hurt you. That is not an easy thing to talk about. That is not an easy thing to preach about. And it is most definitely not an easy thing to listen to. I hope that by the time we get done tonight, that God will take you to a place where some of that pent-up anger and some of that pent-up bitterness that just dwells in our heart. I'm asking God to give you the strength over the course of the next couple of days and weeks to see that released. I'm sorry I didn't announce where we'd be in the book of Luke, chapter number 23, and verse number... uh, let's Let's look at verse number 34. Luke 23... And verse number 34, before that I forget tonight, the uh, third quarter business reports will be available when you leave tonight. You can get a copy of that. Uh, Mary and uh, the finance committee will be back there if you have any questions. Mary and the finance committee, that ought to be a band. <laughs> Mary and the finance committee. But anyways, neither here nor there. How do you pray for people that hurt you? Father, tonight I am aware of my inability God, I'm, a, I'm aware of my ability, God, to fumble the ball. And I know, God, that I can miss it, and I know, God, that I can mess up. But tonight I come to you with a humble heart, and I am asking you to take the words that are spoken in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, that you would massage the heart of stone and the heart that has been wounded. And I'm praying, God, that you will strengthen your people. And I'll praise you in Jesus' name for any good that comes. Amen. Luke 23 and 34, verse number 34, the Bible says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. When you come to the book of Luke, you are entering in again to Luke the evangelist. He was the only one that was not there around the things of Christ other than Mark. Luke gets his story, gets his account, he gets his writing from a a detailed eyewitness account. And what he would do is he would go to people that were there. And those people would give him their account of what went down there at the different places. Now, an eyewitness account, you got to understand this in order to understand what is important about this. An eyewitness account doesn't tell you everything that happened. An eyewitness account only tells you the things that stuck out to them as they saw what happened. Not everything that happened on Golgotha's Hill is written down in the Bible. Not everything that was occurring there on the cross is written down in the Bible. It was only those things that stuck out to the people that were there. And one of the things that stuck out to the people that were there was when the loving lips of the Lamb of God opened up and out come these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I can imagine the nails would have got my attention. I can imagine the blood would have got my attention. I can imagine that the crying of thorns would have got my attention. I can imagine the spears would have got my attention. But I can imagine they were absolutely, utterly shocked whenever he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There were three prayers that were uttered from the cross of our Lord. This was one of the first prayers that was offered down Now listen, for 500 years, crucifixion had been a capital punishment. For 500 years, people would be marched to a cross, beginning with the Persians, then the Carthaginians, and then on down to the Romans where we are for 500 years. And I promise you, there'd been all types of curses. I promise you, there'd been all types of things spewed out. I promise you, there'd been all types of things said from a cross. But this was the first time from that cross, and any cross that anybody ever heard somebody pray for the people that had put them on that cross. And effectively in this prayer, Jesus teaches us how to pray for people that hurt us. One of the last things Jesus does is pray for the people that put him where he's at. Let me give you five introductory statements about praying for people that hurt you. Number one. Being hurt is a result of the sin curse. You see, this is not the way it was supposed to be. And this is where the devil so racks our brain and bothers our faith. Whenever he looks at us and he'll say something to this effect, he'll say, if God is good, why did X or Y happen? Ladies and gentlemen, God is good. And God created a world where none of this was supposed to be. God created a land and a nation and a country and a garden and a people where there was to be peace and joy and tranquility. And he told the people, eat from any of the trees that you want and you'll live. But the moment you eat from that tree, you will surely die. They had no idea what death would look like, but they had no idea that it would look like what it looks like. You see, just because you aren't dying doesn't mean the things which happen to you are not a part of the death process. Have you ever seen a a, a neat death? Have you ever seen a death that was in a primrose path? No, death is a messy thing because sin is a messy thing and problems are messy things. Ladies and gentlemen, do not ever one time think that the bad thing that happened to you was somehow a part of God's will for your life. The people that hurt you did so because they wanted to. They chose to. Not because in the plan of God he desired it to happen. No. Remember what Joseph said. God takes that which you meant for evil and he turns it for good. You see, that's where the devil will bother your faith if you don't understand that. It was not God's desire this happened. It's the power of God that he takes something bad and turns it for good. Number two, being hurt by others is common. Now, I'm not telling you that to belittle your pain. I'm not telling you that to tell you that you're not special and what you deal with, you just need to get over it. No, no, no. What I'm saying is everybody deals with somebody that has hurt them. Everybody deals with somebody, some thing, some situation that shatters your heart and breaks your faith. You see, where the devil will get you cornered up is he'll make you think that you are unique and you're the only one that hurts. That's just not true. We all hurt. And I promise you, if you've ever been hurt, it's been because of somebody. Things don't hurt you. You know, if your car breaks down, it don't hurt you. You don't like it, but it don't hurt you. People hurt you. It's not an uncommon thing to be hurt by people. Number three, you are commanded to pray for those who are your enemy. You are commanded by the God of heaven to pray for people who hurt you. And I'm going to give you two verses that I hope you'll write down. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 44. Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Romans 12 and 14. Bless them which persecute you. And curse not. Brothers and sisters, I wish tonight that I could tell you you're a good person if you learn how to pray for somebody that hurt you. You know what I tell you? You and I as Christians, if we're really going to be followers of Christ, have been commanded by God to pray for those that hurt us. Now, I'm telling you right now, I don't tell you that to belittle your pain. And I'm not belittling anybody's pain with what I'm about to say. But I want you to hear me. Your pain is not on a level where this stuff doesn't apply to you. I'm not telling you that. I've been hurt. My hurt may not be like your hurt. But there is no caveat to those verses. There's no sidebar. There's no, there's no off ramps. Now, don't you jump off the wagon right quick. Because if you jump off the wagon, you're going to get run over by this Conestoga. And you're going to be hurting before you get over. Because this is one of those messages you got to listen from front to back in order to get the whole picture. But there is no caveat to get off, to not pray for people who hurt you. Number four, you have to understand. When you pray for people, hear me and hear me well... You cannot change them, but you can change you. If you spend your time praying, hoping that you're going to change them, it's never going to happen. Too many times we go into situations trying to help people, trying to help people, trying to help people, but we're really not trying to help people. We're trying to change them so they see it our way. You can't change people. You can't change how people think. You can't change how people operate. How many of you know you can do all you want to do to get somebody to see things your way, and they will not see things your way just because you want them to see things your way? You cannot change anybody. But you know what you can do? You can change you. I can't help how anybody operates. I can't help how anybody does. People are going to hurt you. People are going to bother you. People are going to hurt me. People are going to bother me. I cannot change them. And listen, I've done everything in my power through the course of my life to sit down, have conversations with people. Maybe if I put it in letter form. Maybe if I write it in an email. Maybe if I voice my opinion. Maybe they'll finally see the error. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Maybe they'll finally see the error of their ways. You know what you can't do? You can't change. You can't change anybody. But you know what I can do? I can change me. Number five, and I hope that you'll never forget number five, praying for those who hurt you is not easy. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is overcome hurt and pray in faith. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is to overcome the pain that people have brought into your life. And truly pray for them. So whenever you struggle with it, and whenever you struggle with all those feelings that rage against your life and rage against your mind, you're not by yourself. It is a hard thing. How then do you pray for somebody who's wrong? You see, that's what makes it so hard. When we pray for people and they're wrong, Jesus knew the people that put him on the cross was wrong. He knew the people that nailed him to the tree were wrong, but he prayed for them. He knew the people on the tree wanted his demise. But he prayed for them. And I tell you tonight, praying for the people who you know are wrong is not easy. So how then do you pray for people? I'll give you four or five different things here that I hope that will help you. And I pray that somebody will find peace and relief tonight. Number one, looking at our verse, the first thing you do, how do you pray for those that hurt you? You have to commit them. To the hands of God. You have to give them to the hands of God. Jesus made the statement in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34. Upon the cross Jesus said this, Father, you forgive them. In that moment, Jesus could have done so many things to them. You say, what could Jesus have possibly done? Do you remember what he said back in the book of Matthew? He said back in the book of Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 53 as he looks at Pilate in Pilate's hall. He said, sir, he said, don't you know that my father has given me 12 legions of angels And in one moment I could pray and they would sweep out of the heaven and destroy this earth. Jesus had the power to hurt them. But what did he do? He committed them to the hands of God. Brothers and sisters, hear me now. The people in your life that have done you wrong and the people in your life that have harmed you and the people in your life that have done you and caused you pain and caused you turmoil and caused you trauma and caused you issues and caused you all this, the way that you pray for those people is you place their outcome into the hands of God. You see, too many times, now I, I'm going to say some things right now, and you may not nod your head, but you know this is how you feel. You're hoping that if you make a phone call to such and such, or if you say this over here to so and so, and if you do that over there to somebody, and so on, and, and if you do that, maybe it'll, outcome the, it'll change the outcome, and maybe I can do this and I can keep them from getting ahead because they've harmed me so bad. If I can do this and that, I'll hurt them. Jesus said, Father, they're yours. They put me on this cross. They're yours. I commit them to the hands of God Almighty. Commit them to the hands of God. That's you taking your hands off with the text messages. That's you taking your hands off with the social media posts. That's you taking your hands off with the phone calls. That's you taking your hands off with doing all those little snippety things that we put spiritual tags on in order to hopefully sway the outcome. Jesus said, Father... You forgive them. They're yours. It's taking your hands off and saying, Lord, I commit them to you. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't like that. We don't like that. That's that flesh inside of us. Here's what we ultimately want. Can I talk to you for a second? Man to man, man to woman, whatever you want to say. You ready? We're hoping that something we can do will cause them to feel a snippet of the pain we feel. But Jesus died so that they would never feel an ounce of the pain that he felt. Jesus was dying on the cross so that they wouldn't have to feel pain. When we want them to feel the pain we feel, we're never more like the devil. But when we commit them to the hands of God so that God will hopefully do something in their lives, we're never more like our Savior. I can't change somebody's outcome. That's why I have to give it to God. The person that hurts you, God, I can't change them. I'm asking you to do whatever you desire to do. I'm not texting anymore about it. I'm not calling anymore about it. I'm not Facebooking anymore about it. I'm not talking anymore about it. They're in your hands. I've done my part, God. Listen, I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. I can name the places, the people, and the situations that have really hurt me in my life. Now, I'm not talking about these little snippety things that we we all get chapped over. I'm talking about people that have really hurt me. I can tell you each one of them. And I can also tell you every place when I finally got to the place when I gave them to God and the peace. And the release and the joy that floods back over your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, committing them to the hands of God is not about their outcome alone. It's about your outcome. Because if you hold on hoping that you can sway their outcome, here's what ultimately happens in your life. You become a little God hoping that you can change it. And that's just not the way it works. Jesus was God. And he gave them to his Father. You've got to commit them to the hands of God. Number two, if you're going to learn how to pray for people that have hurt you, you have got to let God see and do what he sees fit to do. You've got to let God do what he sees fit to do in their life. Here's what he said. I want you to notice something. Now, I'm a thinking to go a little bit out there into Tyler land, and if you don't stay on the wagon, you may not make it to the ride. Jesus made this statement Father, Miss Kim, put that verse back up there. Jesus said, Father, forgive who? Forgive. Them. Who's that? Who's the them? I read probably 45 commentaries, Brother Tim, trying to figure out who that them is. There were some people that said it was the Romans. There were some people that said it was the Pharisees. There were some people that said it was his disciples. There were some people that said it was the women that were gathered around. Do you know who the them is? Nobody knows. Only God knew. Now, can I take you real deep into something? There were hundreds of people gathered around that cross that day. Do you and I honestly believe that every one of them trusted in Christ? Therefore, 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 either God didn't answer this prayer because Jesus said, Father, forgive. Can I show you a verse in John 3, verse number 36? Jesus made this statement when he's talking to Nicodemus. He said, he that believeth not, on the son he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life but he that believeth not on the son is condemned already are you ready now remember the wagon is moving don't jump off there were people in that on that hillside that day that never trusted in Christ never trusted in Christ but yet Jesus prayed for them Father forgive them but yet John 3:36 said the wrath of God is already upon them You ready for this Which one's right They both are That's why Jesus prayed such a generic prayer Father forgive He left the them in the hands of God Here's what happens when we pray. Here's what we do, Austin. When we pray for people that hurt us, we get so specific in our praying. And we say, God, I'm asking you to do this. And God, I'm asking you to do that. And God, I'm asking you to change them here. And God, I'm asking you to rearrange them there. Jesus did not get specific. He said, Father, you forgive whoever you want to forgive. I put the them in your hands. Sometimes we'll pray for people to do things that God never intended them to do. And that's why God doesn't move. Sometimes we'll pray for people to stay in our lives that God never intended to be there in the long haul. We'll pray for jobs and people that betray us at jobs. We'll pray for them to be changed. And God never intended us to stay in that place all the days of our lives. So when you're praying for people, you've got to say, Lord... I give you them because you told me to give you them. But what you do with them is fine with me. You've got to let God do what God desires to do. Number three, when you pray for those who hurt you, you need to pray that God will open their eyes. Watch what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. Why? For they know not what they do. Jesus knew the reason that the Romans had put him on that cross is they had no idea he was the Son of God. Had the Romans that day known that he was the Son of the living God, he would have never put him on the cross. Can I tell you right now why all of us struggle? Can I get down here? Why all of us struggle to pray for people that hurt us? Because somewhere down deep on the inside of us, we're afraid that if they're forgiven, they'll get off scot-free for what they've done. You misinterpret what brings about forgiveness. Repentance brings forgiveness. It's when they make what they've done right with the Holy God that God forgives them. Ladies and gentlemen, when you pray for people that hurt you, you're not praying God forgive them. You're saying, God, bring them to the place where they realize what they've done. Open their eyes so they might see what they've done and then they can be right with you. And you put that in the hands of God. Does it ever happen on that hillside? Only one person was ever changed. There was a centurion at the end of this chapter in Luke chapter number 3. And in verse number 47. There was one centurion that trusted. He said this man was a righteous man. How did he realize that God opened his eyes? When you pray for people who hurt you, you don't pray, God, forgive them. You say, Lord, let them see what they are. Let them see what they've done so that they can be right with you. Number four, how do you pray for people who've hurt you? Number four, do not get discouraged In the present. Do not get discouraged right now. Can I show you something in our verse that I've never seen before, fellas? I'd never paid attention to it until I was sitting there. When when our Lord Jesus prays, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What's the next sentence? And they parted his raiment. Here's the Lamb of God. And he cries, Father, forgive. listen to me. I have a sneaking suspicion had you and I been there, we'd have had the same response. But can you imagine how a man dying, bleeding, suffering, and hurting on a cross, if he had cried out, God, forgive him, we'd have probably stepped back. Do what? What did you just say? What did you just say to me? But what did they do? They take his clothes off of him and they sell him. He prayed, forgive them. And you know what they do? They hurt him more. They prayed, God, God, please. Forgive him, Lord. He got to that place where he breaks down and he says, God, please. And when you get to that place where you say, God, please. And they hurt him again. There's nothing more heart-wrenching than when you get to a sensitive place where you beg God to have mercy on somebody and they slap you in the face again. It'll cause you to step back and say, I'm through. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm through with this person. I'm done with this person. But Jesus looks at him, and he does not get discouraged in the present. He just says, Father, I give them to you. They're all yours. I don't care what they do. I can't change them. I'm not messing with them. I'm dealing with me. They're yours. He bows his head, and he dies. One centurion looks up to the heavens and he said certainly this man was a righteous man. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought that maybe the answer to your prayer will not come while your eyes are open on this earth? Are you praying for you so that you can be relieved? Or are you praying so that truth will march on? In his human eyes, Jesus never saw the answer to his prayer. But one day, Jesus is at the right hand of God Almighty in heaven. And I don't know if St. Peter's at the gate. I highly doubt it he is, but just for the sake of this story, let's act like St. Peter's at the gate. And he's checking off names on the list. And honey, he's down there checking off names on the list, and in walks a man. And he's got hands that had been withered and been tried by time. And all of a sudden he does not have the appearance of a Jewish man. He does not have the appearance of a Nazarene. He does not have the appearance of a Galilean. He's got the appearance, that unmistakable presence of a Roman man. And all of a sudden he goes up to the gate and Peter looks down at this man and he recognizes that man. He says, Sir, how in the world did you get here? How in the world have you arrived at this place? How in the world are you going to get inside of this city? I believe that man looked up and said, It's me, sir. It's this Roman centurion. I was the one that was on that hillside that day. I was the one that took that spear and jabbed it in the side of the loving lamb of God. But I saw that day when he bowed his head and died that he was a righteous man. I believe the Lord Jesus on the throne in heaven. I believe Peter yelled back to the center of that city and he said it's him. It's him. It's him. It's the answer to the prayer that was prayed on the cross. Listen to me. Just because you don't see the answer today doesn't mean you won't see the answer one day. Don't get discouraged today because you're not seeing God work on their their heart of stone. Just keep praying. Number five. When you pray for people that hurt you, pray that God will make you a testimony. Pray that God will make you a testimony. How is Jesus a testimony? Well, in 500 years for crucifixions to take place, he's the first man that ever uttered, Father, forgive them. But he won't be the last one in the Bible to utter that phrase, Father, forgive them. Fast forward about four years. Go into the book of Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 60. There's an old Holy Ghost filled deacon whose name is Stephen. And Stephen is standing there before the same Pharisees that put the Lord Jesus on the cross of Christ. And all of a sudden, Jesus is looking these men in the eyes and he says this. He says, it's you that crucified the Lamb of Glory. It's you that put him on the cross. Honey, they got so mad. The Bible says they gnash their teeth together. Oh man, they're gritting their teeth, trying to snap a ten-penny nail in half. They get so mad, they reach down and they pick up stones and they stone Stephen. Now I want you to watch what Acts chapter number 7, verse number 60 says. Stephen kneels down and cries with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Do you know what that is in redneck English? Father, forgive them. I wonder where Stephen got that from. I wonder where Stephen heard that from. I'll tell you where he heard it from. He heard it on down through the ages when Jesus was on that cross. He, people could not believe that one man would be so full of compassion that he would pray for the people that heard him. And when Stephen, get, I mean, now Stephen ain't no, he ain't no yellow belly. He ain't no spineless jellyfish. I mean, this is a man, son. He stood up in the midst of thousands of people and looked him in the eyeballs and he got face to face, toe to toe and he said, it's you. You crucified him. And they go to stone him. And he looks up to the heavens as the stones are flying at his face. And he says, Lord, I'm begging you. Lay not this sin to their charge. What Jesus did made such an impact that Stephen was willing to pray it as he was dying How did that make an impact? Well, the Bible tells us that as Stephen is being stoned, the people that stone him, they've taken their coats off. The Bible says they've given their cloaks to a man whose name is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus is laying there with the coats of the people in his hands and he's thinking, man, stone him. Kill him dead. He's an apostatizer. He's somebody that's walked away from the true faith. Yeah, hit him in the head one more time. And when Stephen looks up to the heavens, the Bible says, he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I believe Saul of Tarsus stepped back and said, what do you mean lay not this sin to their charge? Who do you think you are? You don't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of authority. And Saul of Tarsus from Acts chapter number 7 all the way to Acts chapter number 9, the Bible says he's wreaking havoc upon the churches. But Acts chapter number 9 happens and Saul's a-walking down that road to the Damascus city. And on that road to the Damascus city, the Bible says the heavens open up and all of a sudden a light shines down and a voice comes out of heaven that says, Saul, Saul, isn't it hard for you to kick against the pricks? And Saul had never met Jesus, but he says, Lord... How did he know the voice of God? Because he'd heard it mimicked. In the words of a dying man who prayed for the people who hurt him. You're never more like Christ than when you pray for the people that hurt you. I ask this question often, but it's a question that must be asked. Are you willing to walk in darkness for a season so others will not have to live in the darkness? Are you willing to be hurt so others will not have to hurt? Sometimes life will throw you things that pain you. Sometimes life will throw you things that are not fun and they are not fair and they are not deserved by good people. And God allows these things. Now I don't believe God causes these things but God does allow these things. The question now becomes as a follower of Jesus Christ will you be like your Lord and commit yourself to pray for the person that hurt you? You say, preacher, how long do you pray for those people? Jesus only did it one time. You pray until God releases you from their hold on your life. Honey, you'll know when you're no longer bitter over that situation. You'll know. But until then, God, help me pray for those who've hurt me.